Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. This is a great time of year for most people. Even if those of you who aren't Christ followers, you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ yet, it's a great time because you get to spend time with your family and friends, you're probably off work, you get some holidays, and you get to really sit, sit down, chill, relax, kind of wind down the year, take stock of what's happening in the year. And so it's a very special time. And, and let's not talk about the food, right? Because I think our waistline grows by a few inches over Christmas and New Year's because we're just packing away all that great food that's been prepared. And hopefully this Christmas you give someone that you love a good present and you get something good as well from the people that care and love you and your world and your community, that you get something good back. And we have such great traditions at Christmas, right? So carol singing is one of the great traditions we have that's been handed down from generation to generation. And we get to just come together as a community and celebrate the good things, the great things, and the most special thing is the birth of Jesus Christ, right? However, to be honest, I'm going to be honest with you this morning, Christmas for me has not always been the best because it's always a hectic time and it's always not been the most pleasant experience in my world, right? I can remember living in Canada at the time and it was this particular Christmas. I was not even a Christ follower yet and you know, there was everything just came together in this huge sort of turmoil hurricane sort of thing that came together. I was employed at that time in a retail environment. And those of you who work in retail, I have great compassion for you because I used to work in retail. And working in retail over Christmas is probably one of the most stressful things you can actually experience because people, as nice as they are other times of the year, actually get a bit crazy during Christmas time, right? Especially when the stock is getting low. There's just like people break out in fights. I've seen fights in stores because it's the last item and they want it and it's for Christmas and all these things go on. Because at Christmas time, even though we're trying to make the season merry and happy, sometimes the worst of humanity comes out, especially when it's the last item that you want for your kid and someone else is going to get it. You're going to fight. So... I remember this time, you know, working long hours, stressful hours, because in a retail environment, you have to work extra long during Christmas, because that is the environment, or that's the time that the stores, or the shops make the most money in the year, because they sell tons of stuff to people during Christmas time. And so people are rushing around trying to get all the stuff. And, and that time, I remember my student loan bill came in. It was just everything at the same time. And Christmas of that season was not great for me. And I was stressed out and my mind was not actually in a pace of finding any sort of peace. Have you ever had a hectic Christmas? Maybe it's this Christmas, right? You're hectic, you're running around trying to get things done, you know, crazy in the shops, trying to find parking spots, trying to rush in and rush out and take care of the kids that are off school as well and trying to entertain them and get your Christmas shopping organized. And It just seems like it's all hectic and you're stressed out to the max, right? And when you think about it, what should we celebrate when it comes to Christmas? And it gets to the point where it's like, Christmas, I just want to get this over with because it's just a stressful season. I just want to move past this and then relax. All right? And then for us Christ followers, 
that believe and put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's supposed to be a time where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I say supposedly because our world, our very modern, busy world, is not really about Jesus, though, is it? It's about Christmas without Christ, even though Christ is in the word Christmas. It's about the season, it's about the celebration, it's about family, it's about gifts, it's about even Santa Claus. And sometimes Christ is missing from the people that are supposed to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And has become a very commercialized holiday, especially as I said before, in business, this is where shops make the most money in the year, by encouraging you to buy things you don't necessarily need. But in the hustle and the bustle, in the season of rushing, the season of all the celebration, busyness that actually is a far cry from a simple stable with some filthy animals where a weary mother and a father rested and gave birth to a child that would change the world forever. There was no pomp and there was no ceremony. There was, there was, no, there was no people bursting in and celebrating the birth of Jesus or this baby. You know, handing out cigars or posting Instagram posts and doing live streams because here's something special. No, it was a very simple birth. In fact, it was a very unnoticed birth. Except for some shepherds. And there's a, there's a simplicity to this eventuality, this start, this genesis of our faith that is missing from our world. A baby lying in a manger, which was actually a feeding trough for animals, because the stable was so packed with animals that they didn't have any space to lay this baby down, that they actually put it in the feeding trough of animals. And the first Christmas, there was no decorations, there was no Christmas lights, there was no great carols and singing, no feasts, no special guests, except some smelly shepherds, and we didn't know who smelled worse, the shepherds or the sheep or the animals. But for this unceremonious event in terms of celebration, the significance of this event was world-shattering. Yet again, I remind you, that there's a quietness and a stillness and a wonder to the simple birth in humble beginnings. A newborn baby crying in the night that would have been no different from any other baby crying around a little town that was packed to the brim in Bethlehem. Yet this baby, this child, was so significant that prophets years before spoke about his arrival and people who recognize magi, wise men of the East, travel thousands of kilometers, come to see the birth of this child. In fact, Isaiah the prophet, who lived thousands of years almost before the birth of Jesus, called him the Prince of Peace. He was to be the bringer of peace. And yet you have to wonder, you have to ask, right, where is this peace? Where is this peace in our world? Because 
quite honestly, I don't feel it. You don't feel it. Sometimes it feels like I've lost a piece of my mind. But the peace in all this busyness, in all this hecticness, is really what I want, but it seems to be the last thing I have. Because you're busy making a meal for your family, and it's great, but then they leave and you're left to clean up. And that stresses you out, right? Or you went out of your way to, to get some thoughtful gift for someone you loved, and it looks like they put little effort into getting something for you. You still have to deal with all the bills and all the pressure and the mortgage and all the rest of the things and the pressure of our world because you really wish the bills would take a holiday, but they're like some bad relatives that show up on your front door when you don't want them to. They're there every time. So where is Jesus in the middle of all of this situation? Where is Jesus? Because if he is, as Isaiah said, the Prince of Peace, I can do with a little bit of that right now. I can do with a little bit of peace in my world. And then the question we have to ask ourselves is, until we discover real peace and where it comes from, that's when we actually inherit what Jesus has. And peace, according to Scripture, according to what the prophets spoke about, is not really an absence of wars or arguments or stress or disputes. The Scriptures talk about peace in a much more capacity than this. It actually comes from the Hebrew word shalom. The Hebrew word shalom, often translated as peace, describes a deep sense of well-being that comes to the presence of completion reconciliation and justice so this word has many parts that all represent completeness that is the word peace according to scripture for example i got so many things going on in my world i have job stress i have home stress i have pressure from bills i have pressure from other areas in my life how can i still have shalom completeness and peace if all my world is being pulled in different directions. Yet the promise from God is this, that I can have peace. Because even though the state of being not in completion exists in my world, I can still possess peace. Not because of what surrounds me, but in who I am and whose I am. And I have confidence in the one that holds me together. Because when Jesus came, he came to bring his peace and he offers it to everyone. In fact, he says, my peace I give to you. Not as other people do, not as culture does, not as the world does. It's a different kind of peace, what Jesus offers. In other words, there's so many moving parts in my world and all of them are not working together in optimum efficiency. And that's what the word shalom means, completeness, that everything in my world is complete. But as you know, we're never complete. There's always things in our life. Sometimes we might have good areas in our life and some areas are going great. Like I can have issues in my relationship, but I can be financially secure. And it can be the opposite way around. And the reality is, no matter how hard I work at, how hard I try to organize, how much I try to plan and execute, all the things in my world, we cannot 
And we will never experience true completeness in every single area of our life at the same time. And so ultimately, we can never be complete. And that means I can never have shalom. I can never be complete in a way that allows me to experience true peace. So when Jesus said he will give us peace or completeness, what does he actually mean? He means we can only be complete and have true peace when he, the creator and the bringer of peace, comes into our life. Because without him, Jesus, we will never be complete or have true peace. Here's a great example. In fact, it's more than an example. It's actually an understanding. And it comes from the great apostle Paul, who writes to his listeners from a prison cell to share with them how this actually works. Paul, at the time of writing, is locked in a prison cell, and there's no way of him knowing whether he'll be executed or freed soon. In fact, from the words of his letter, he doesn't seem overly concerned about either outcomes. He knows hardship, but he also knows the peace of God. And he knows that true peace is not trying to control your circumstances, but true peace actually comes from whom you have with you. This is because true peace, like hope, is based on a person and not on circumstances. So this is what he writes, and I remind you that when he writes these words, Paul is actually locked down in a prison cell, not in a modern cell like we visualize with a TV and a PlayStation and a nice bed. It's actually a hole in the ground that little light comes through. It's a cell. It's filled with feces and junk and dirt, and it's filthy and disgusting. And they would drop down into this hole as a cell. And so he's writing with an uncertain future in his world, in a dark place, in a dark cell that stinks with little light. And this is what he says to the people that he's writing to. And I want you to pay close attention because this is amazing. This is what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And we would be like, hold on, Paul. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are at the moment? And more importantly, do you know what's happening in my life to tell me what to do? Because you don't know my stress. You don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what ups and downs I have to face and the pressures of my world. So how can you tell me this? But Paul, well... Paul pays little attention to your words. He continues. In case you didn't get it or failed to complete, come understand the gravity of the situation or you're struggling to comprehend why a man locked up in a prison cell would utter these words, perhaps he's lost his mind. Perhaps he's mental. All this time in this dark prison cell has made him cuckoo. He's gone. He's lost his marbles. He's lost the plot. But Paul, he reiterates the statement with even more force and authority to refute your thinking. And this is what he says to you. In case you didn't get his first statement, he says, I will say it again. Rejoice. To which we might say, really, Paul? Honestly, really? What do you have to rejoice about? 
you're locked in a prison cell, you're probably going to end up dead. What do you have to hope for? You might be executed tomorrow. I see little reason to rejoice, and when I look around my world and the stress and all the busyness, I find little reason to rejoice as well, to which Paul would say, Aha! I know something you don't, obviously. Hence the letter, pay attention, people. I know something, he says, and this is what I know. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know the peace of God, which is not found in my surroundings, Paul says, or in my circumstances, because this situation does not determine my peace. What I find myself in doesn't tell me whether I have peace or not, because it transcends, that's what it word, it goes beyond, it transcends beyond understanding this prison cell. It transcends my circumstances. In fact, it goes beyond logical understanding. Because the natural human conventional thinking is that when I'm locked up, I stress, I worry, I panic, I freak out. And it kind of sounds similar to our world, right? When we're under stress, that's what we do. We panic, we worry, we freak out. We do all kinds of things. This is exactly how we react, right? But Paul says no. If you are a true Christ follower, you don't have to react in that fashion. And this is so important. If you are not a Christ follower, listen up. This is especially for you. You don't have to live life that way. You don't always have to take a back foot and be thrown back and allow stress and problems and situations to come and remove your completeness and your peace. To which Paul's readers, and as we probably do as well, say, well, well, how do you do that, Paul? How do you do that? And then Paul says this, it's because the peace of God can guard your heart and mind. Think for a moment, if you will, about your happy place, the place that you feel comfortable in, probably your house where you have all your stuff and your comfortable life and you sit there and you can unwind after a long day's work, you can play with your kids, you can have a great chat with your wife, you can do what you want in the comfort of your own home. And then one day you come home and you find that your doors have been busted down and broken out, all your windows have been crashed and broken, there's no glass in any of your windows and there's no doors in any of your frames, they've been busted down. A thief has come in and destroyed your house. Now, you have no doors and you have no windows. But you have to stay there with your family overnight. Do you have peace? How, fa how safe do you feel? You don't have peace. You don't have completeness. You don't have shalom, do you? Absolutely not. But the reality is that's how we live in our lives. We let culture barge into our life break the door down, break down our defenses and tell us what to think. Tell us what we should worry about. Hold our minds hostage, hold our hearts under pressure and tell us this is the drama in the world. You need to worry about it. This is what's happening over there. You need to think about it and you need to stress about it. 
you know, pressure from all these circumstances. How can you have peace? How can you have completeness when culture is telling you, you can't be happy until you have this latest device, until you have this important feature, until you get this nice looking car, until you have this house and you have this dress and you look like this and you have to post this picture and you have to follow this celebrity. And if you don't look like this and you don't act like this and you don't talk like this, then you're not worth anything. How can you have peace when the world barges into your mind and heart and tells you constantly that you are broken and you're not good enough? How do you have peace? You can never be in a state of completeness when culture tells you that you are not worthy. That you will never ever be complete. Because you need this and you need that and that's what makes you happy. And when that thing goes, you need the next version of it. And you'll never be able to be caught up. This is why Paul says, and watch this, when you have Christ, he secures your heart and your mind. He guards your mind and your heart because he brings us into completeness so you don't have to try to fix your life when he can help fix it for you. So Paul says this, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now don't miss this, those of you that are not following Jesus. Because this is the most important part. And this is what he emphasized. All this can only happen when you are in Christ Jesus. Because apart from him, you will never have peace. You will never have completeness. What does this mean? It means that completeness, this true peace is only available to those who belong to Jesus. And if you're a Christ follower, this completeness, this peace, this shalom is for you. Christ stands in your home, so to say, and he guards your home from those would-be thieves and robbers that come in to try to take things away. Because he guards your mind and your heart. Because he is the Prince of Peace. If you don't know Christ well, you have to fend for yourself. You're going to have to figure this out on your own. And this is why we say following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. Invite him in and you will have true peace. So Paul calls followers to rejoice in the midst of circumstances, in the midst of, of, of all these situations, in the midst of all these things, because he realizes that circumstances don't control your life. Situations should have no power over you when you have the Prince of Peace in you. So Paul says, rejoice in God at all times, pray, give thanks, and to think on what is good and true. Paul shows that how these habits can lead to experiencing the peace of God even in the most difficult circumstances. Because I remind you, he's not writing from some beach in Tahiti, sitting there on the beach with a nice little mocktail watching the sunset go down. He's in a prison cell locked under tight guard which stinks and is bad. That's where he's writing from to say rejoice. He has little prospects of a great future in the state and yet he still says 
the peace of God will be able to guard your heart and your minds. So peace is here. Jesus is our peace and you can possess it now. How much better would your world be? How much better would you be when you can rest in his true peace? A peace that defies circumstances, that laughs in the face of, circum of situations. I would encourage you, Christ follower, when times get difficult and the seasons change as they often do, to lean into him and let Christ's peace guard your heart and your mind. And to those of you who still have not made the decision to follow Jesus, I would implore you, in fact, I would hasten you to listen to the words of Jesus. You will be far better off in your world, in your heart, in your mind, and will truly have peace when you invite Christ in. Because he doesn't come to take, he comes to give. And if you say, I'm sure that's not the only way, to peace. I'm sure there's lots of other places, there's lots of other avenues, there's lots of other things that I can find peace in, different places. He's not the exclusive domain of peace. I would say to you that many people even before me, in fact the Apostle Paul would say when he did not know Christ, he found his life an ordeal. He tried religion, he tried working up his way in his authority, he tried to fulfill his life with all kinds of things and none of it brought him peace until he found it in one place alone and that is in Jesus. And Paul would say, so discover him if you haven't and rediscover him if you've drifted and lean deeper into him if you know him. He truly is the Prince of Peace and your life will be better for it. Let me read Paul's complete thought to you as I close. One more time, this is what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amazing, powerful, life-giving thought. So I'm going to ask you two questions as I close. The reasons why we ask questions here at Transform is because we want you to think about what was said today and go home and have conversation about it with those people in your world. And hopefully these questions will prompt you into leaning a little bit further into Christ. So question number one is this. Have you been struggling to find peace in your busy world? Most of us would say yes, if we're honest. How do you make room for God's peace to enter your heart? How do you make room? What do you do? According to Paul, he says something. I would encourage you to read what Paul writes. It's found in the his letter to the Philippian church, and it has some great insight and knowledge how we can live. So how do you make room in your heart this season? 
It doesn't mean that you have to stop doing what you do. It doesn't mean you have to stop giving Christmas dinner. It doesn't mean you have to stop buying gifts. It doesn't mean you have to stop doing all the things you normally do. But in the middle of all of that, you can still have peace. Question two. Because peace is not just about us. It's for those around us as well. So how can you share God's peace with someone who needs it this season? How do you share God's peace with someone who needs it? Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.